Hello, this is How to PhD, episode number 38. This week, we are going to be talking about a structured approach to finding your research gap and all the different types of research gaps that exist. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host Julia. Hi. And this week we are talking about a structured approach to finding your research gap. So now thinking back to my PhD, I think my research gap was really all about the fact that no one had really looked at this particular field before. So it was like a new field of automated vehicles and there were a whole bunch of questions which hadn't really been answered before. Uh, Julia, would you say like yours was quite a similar kind of research gap? Well, I think there were studies already existing on my topic, um, which was on the experiences of pharmacy users using sexual services and pharmacies. But um, I think there, when I looked at to the lit- into the literature, there was no research really um, from the West Midlands. And also the service that I was looking at had quite a lot of different um, yeah, kind of service that they were offering. And I think there wasn't another comprehensive service like that that had been evaluated. So I was the first one doing that. So I think that was where my gap was coming in. But I remember that it didn't really feel like I took a structured approach to it. It was just like reading, talking to my supervisors. But yeah, it, it felt like um, it could have been a bit more structured, my approach. Yeah, very much so. And I think um, the, the the sentiments echoed over with, with my uh, doctor as well. So that's exactly why we decided, you know what, this actually makes quite a good episode topic. So um, I guess the first sort of question is, you know, when you're trying to find your gap is, you know, so what we're going to do is really dive into different types of research gap that exists. So being aware of those different types is really the first kind of tool to being able to actually identify what your work um, is really focused on. Uh, And in particular, if you know about some of these other gaps, which you might not be aware of now, um, then you you kind of you'll be armed with that knowledge when you're going in and reviewing the literature. Uh, Then, of course, we're going to share a very practical method that you can use to try and navigate this process. So that's a a really useful method, which I wish I had done in my doctor um, and really you know the emphasis here with this episode is that it's not always about the gap in knowledge though that's the one that we always think about but that's a good place to start so let's talk about the gap in knowledge So let's talk about the three which we have grouped together as the knowledge, practical and empirical knowledge gap so Julia let's start with the knowledge gap what exactly is that? So I think there's, that's where there are really no findings on a certain research question or topic. And I think that's probably quite a difficult one to really find nowadays because there's already a lot of knowledge it's, on it's true, a yeah. lot of different uh, topics. So to find a true, true knowledge gap where we have no previous information, something is actually quite quite rare, I think. But yeah, that's what you would call a knowledge gap. I guess when you were started looking at automated vehicles, there was little. So I think it was probably relatively close maybe to a knowledge gap in your specific niche. So like on interface design in automated vehicles that there was nothing there. Um, But yeah, probably a bit more difficult to find. So you should carefully um, review the literature to see whether really nothing has been studied on that topic at all. Yeah. That's exactly it. I guess, you know, those moments of like the apple falling on Newton's head and stuff are like <laughs> much more difficult nowadays. So, yeah, I think it's, as you say, the, the key thing with knowledge gap is that you pinpoint a very specific part of knowledge and you kind of identify that and, and go on that. Um, 
And now, of course, and potentially one which is a little bit more uh, easier to identify, potentially, is the practical knowledge gap, right? And this is where what is done in professional context differs from the research findings or what's kind of best practice in research. So, for example, um, you know, is there a particular method that's being done in industry or in these contexts, which actually the research findings, the latest research findings have found that that's not a good way of doing it, right? And I think the best way to kind of identify these is to have a chat with people in industry. Um, this is really important for those PhDs, you know, who might have an industrial sponsor. And, um, you know, when it comes to sort of evidencing this, you know, evidencing a practical knowledge gap is to use your conversations with these professionals, right? Because that's, by definition, that's something that probably won't be in the literature. Um, and so actually, you know, highlighting parts of your conversation with professionals to sort of highlight where the gaps are, that's a really important way of kind of showing where a practical knowledge gap exists. Uh, and then, I guess, quite closely linked or kind of in the same kind of vein as the other two is this empirical knowledge gap, right? And this is where some piece of knowledge or behavior that, that is done today has not actually been empirically evaluated to, to sort of evaluate, um, validate it. And I'll give a really good example. So I have a student of mine who's looking at accessibility requirements in planes, right? So for wheelchair users, you know, how do they move down the aisle of a plane and then into their seat? And actually, you know, the way it's done today is really just based on a lot of really out of date kind of medical practice. Um, and it's executed by people who are not trained in that particular field. Um, and so no one's actually sat down and said, okay, wait, can we measure this? Can we actually look at this problem mm. and try and understand, um, is there actually a way that we can do this a little bit better? Um, so I think that's a really, you know, this is, a, you know, the kind of empirical knowledge gap is, is really important. Um, and I guess, Julia, that all links to this kind of the final one, which is around sort of the evidence gap, right? Yeah, so often I think in research papers you find that sentence, more research has to be conducted on yes, that matter. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that is often the case where, for example, there have been contradictions found. So there is research out there already. People have conducted some studies, and I think that was true in my research as well. There were some studies looking at pharmacy users' experiences of sexual health services. And some said, for example, oh, it's very well suited to use pharmacies for that. But then others say, no, it's not really the right setting. So I think then um, what you can try to do is to conduct more research and then to kind of get out of the bottom to why are they contradicting finding who's like really right or wrong or what what does make the difference of um, people saying oh it works really well or it doesn't really work well um, so kind of um, yeah doing more research <laughs> to explore contradictory findings yeah that's right and yeah that classic phrase at the end of most journals which is future research needs to look at <laughs> um, is often a good sign of the evidence gap so hopefully that's given you kind of this is these are probably the ones that you kind of typically think of when it comes to research gaps right the knowledge practical empirical and evidence gap these are the sort of typical ones uh, but now we're going to move on to something which you might not have considered uh, which is the theory gap so let's talk about the theory gap so julia i think you are really the the expert in in this one right well i wouldn't say expert because i'm still <laughs> working things out but uh, so um theory gap is where uh, as the name says where there currently is no theory explaining a certain phenomenon for example so um, what i'm currently doing um to give you an example 
um, is a realist review. A realist review is a literature review which aims to build a theory on how and why and in which context and for whom um, an intervention works or does not work. So, for example, there are loads about lo loads of theories about leadership already, but nobody has really looked at how um, leadership interventions um, in surgery have to be um, conducted or done in order to improve the leadership skills of um, surgeons or surgical teams. So you can then try to fill that gap. So again, I think um, definitely the literature is really important there, since I think um, literature finding what theories are available, what evidence is available, whether you can actually, it, whether there's enough literature to develop a theory or not. So yeah, that would be one example for that. That's interesting. And, and just to round off that, actually, just just a, a question from me, actually. So when you when oh, you God. say sort of develop a theory. <laughs> Um, what does that mean? Does that mean then sort of actually, is there a kind of process behind that? Or is there a particular method of creating a theory? Yeah, so a realist review would be one example of oh, how okay. you, yeah. that can lead to theory development. But there are other types of reviews. There are also a realist evaluation can lead to the development of a theory. So there are different kind of methods. Um, and I guess that leads really well to our next gap. But yeah, different methodology, how you can develop um, a, a theory. Yeah. Yeah. Very good segue, which uh, so that's a, the theory gap. And potentially that's one which, again, you might not have really considered because I guess when you think of theories, you think of like, OK, the, the big theories mm. published by the really famous authors. But actually, you know. It is absolutely in the in the remit of a mm. doctorate to to develop a new theory, and some of the most influential ones have come from doctoral students. So mm. don't discount the theory gap. Um, so let's now talk about, as uh, very subtly alluded to by Julia, the methodological gap. So let's talk about the methodological gap. So really, this is uh, a gap in the knowledge where you're sort of where where no one has looked at exploring something using a particular method, right? And I think typically, and I might be wrong here, but I think typically this is more common in sort of lab-based experimental setups, potentially. You know, where you know you might be trying a new scientific method to try and elicit a particular response is also true in many other contexts and in fact when I think about my PhD I guess in many ways I also had a methodological gap because no one had really used eye tracking in this particular mm. context right so um, again here's a, this is a good example right so eye tracking has been around for a long time um, vehicles themselves have been along, around for a long time interfaces have also but this new context of automated vehicles suddenly these things which were kind of well-established methods, uh, it's it's a new application of that particular method mm. in a new area. So that's, you know, again, a very strong gap is the methodological gap. And I think really the thing that you want to emphasize if you're going for this one um, is really to ensure that you've explained all of the methods that sort of exist currently. And that's really what your literature search and as you're developing your aim and objectives, you know, you really want to kind of emphasize the fact that no one else has done it. And, and these are all the other ways people have done it. Therefore, there's your gap. And I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, really to focus not just on the missing knowledge, but also to look at the methodologies of papers mm -hmm. is also really important in that one. Yeah, I guess um, it could be uh, true for various fields. I think, for example, if 
there are already loads of qualitative studies um, for example giving the pharmacy example again of of pharmacy users and pharmacy staff talking about their experiences but what about if you actually go into the pharmacy and do an ethnography and actually observe what's going on that might differ to what people are telling you right um, so I guess there's always yeah to bring a new perspective into that um, so I think there are I think methodological gap there probably a lot of opportunities for that to try new new methods and also yeah really novel methods so for example um i came across a method where you use lego to find out oh, wow. to interview people nice. they're building something with lego and then you talk about that and um, you can gain new findings or more in-depth experiences from people through that so i think yeah there there's always an opportunity i think for methodological gap yeah and actually that that just gave me an idea as well that also a methodological gap could be the fact that you're combining different methods in a way right, that yeah. hasn't been done before right so again thinking about my doctor um is that i took both a quantitative and qualitative approach with eye tracking and interviews and workshops and all together you know taking all mm-hmm. of those things ended up being the the result of the actual doctor which nobody had, had done mm-hmm. that kind of approach before it would have been sort of all qualitative or all quantitative to that point so again you know think you know don't don't discount anything to do with your methods as a as an and and this is also i guess really important as you're kind of writing up is to sort of recognize that yes you might have a knowledge gap you might have be working in something that has never been looked at before but you know if your methods are also unique make sure you highlight that that's a really mm. important method, uh, gap in knowledge that that you know people can then take forward um into future experiments and and uh, understanding so really really important gap that one so let's talk about one or the final one that we're going to talk about before we talk about this little practical tool that you can use to sort of identify these gaps which is the population gap So let's talk about the population gap. Now, for me, this is a lot of my current research and my current role is based around this particular uh, gap, which is, I think, is a very, very powerful one. And this is all about really looking uh, where we're sort of an area where nobody has looked at a particular research challenge with certain demographics. Right. So, for example, gender, ethnicity, um, accessibility requirements, disabilities, these sorts of things. Right. So no one's looked with these particular contexts. And if you look across, I mean, there's some really fantastic books um, that kind of explore how, you know, different things have been designed throughout history, which have not been inclusive. Um, I think that very good book is Invisible Women, right, which looks mm. at uh, gender inequality in, in the design of many, many different things. And you'll be shocked at how many things exist today uh, that have not considered this kind of inclusive research and so for example if we think about electric vehicles right this is kind of the 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 sort of in topic thing at the moment um but if we think about a wheelchair user or perhaps a disabled user a lot of these charge points that you see in public are not actually designed with those kinds of requirements in mind right they Mm. are designed for someone a typical average standing height to be able to reach the cable but what happens if someone's in a wheelchair you know there's all these requirements so it's a huge topic area, but there's a massive, massive gap in the knowledge. And this is a population gap, right? And, mm. and a hugely powerful one for doctorates. Yeah, I think my PhD, I also had a kind of population gap because 
coming back to my pharmacy example but um so there are a lot of studies published that captured the views of pharmacists and pharmacy users um on the experiences of using sexual services in pharmacies but there was not much research really that involved pharma pharmacy healthcare assistants who are actually the people um that when you go to your pharmacy that are um, selling you the products or giving you advice um because the pharmacists themselves are often in the back um so my research i included that group because yeah they're the first contact to the patient and i felt they had been completely overlooked and it was really interesting actually because i found that they were much more aware of privacy problems because they see what's going on in the store whereas the pharmacist who was in their private consultation room was not really aware because they were in their little mm -hmm. room where there yeah. was privacy so um yeah i think that's also really really um, powerful one and there's a lot of research in, in healthcare I think where patients have been interviewed but not their carers um, who also have to deal um, with with certain conditions um, that the, their family member um, is, is suffering from so yeah again really want to think about yeah and I think you know in this um, you know particularly nowadays you know when we are when we are becoming more and more aware of just how uh, inequalities can affect different groups and, and different populations you know I think this is one of the most as you say Julia one of the most powerful and I think um, important gaps actually in in the way we do things is that it's actually it's, it's sort of taking a step back and thinking okay before we try and learn something new um, you know let's look at what we have today and assess does it work mm -hmm. for everyone and and I think that's really powerful and again don't ever overlook that one. It's, it's always mm -hmm. worth. Um, and also on the flip side of that, you know, if you're doing a bit of research, take a bit of take a second just to think, OK, actually, am I being inclusive in this research? You know, am I being, um, you know, think you know, include having that sort of inclusive thinking when designing my experiments mm -hmm. and just have that little thought in the back, because you might be also addressing a gap there uh, which you didn't realize uh, existed. So. That's all the different types of gaps. So hopefully that's given you a good sort of overview of the different types of gaps that you can search for and how there's so much more than just kind of knowledge and the standard, you know, future research should answer this kind of gap. Um, but now we're going to talk about a very useful practical tool that you can use to organize this whole process. So let's talk about a little method that you can use to, oh, I shouldn't call it a little method, actually. It's a very structured and useful method to kind of go about finding your research gap. And Julia, this is the one that you used um, quite, uh, or it's been inspired by some of your recent studies, right? Well, I guess, yeah. So now if I approach a new project, what I do is that I use a data extraction table, which is used in systematic reviews to kind of when you're analyzing um, your findings. Um, and I think it's really helpful when you want to identify a research gap. So what that means, data extraction table, um, what I mean by this is when I start reading um, the literature to identify a gap, I create a table. And in there I have different columns um, where I put in um, author, the title, the year that the um, study was conducted or published, um, then which method was used um, in, in that paper, what population they looked at, um, which country the study was conducted, and then also a column where I put in the, the key findings from that research. And I think a table like that really helps you structure and really get a good um, understanding of what has been done um, in your field and 
where are the gaps what has not been done so for example if you then have a table and you have the i don't know let's say 20 most um most recent uh, studies or most important studies in your field and then you can have a look okay all these papers looked at pharmacy staff why has nobody looked at views of pharmacy users or oh all this research is coming from a high income country but nobody has looked at low or middle income countries Um, or oh all that research is quantitative maybe we should do a qualitative something that so i think it really helps you it will help you write your background study uh, background section so like where you kind of should allude to where the research gap is and i think it really helps with writing that structure and defending your research like really justifying why this is um needed because you can say oh because nobody has done it here in this context or um, nobody has done it with this population or if you have a list of the findings as well in your column you can say oh look there are contradictory results yeah. from different studies so that's why we need more research or nobody has actually done anything on that yeah i think it's just such a elegantly simple technique right it's it's just a Mm. very structured table but i think you know a lot of um i think some people might say you know oh you know you can just do the same thing in mendeley or an endnote um but i guess in many ways you know the kind of um the kind of annotations that you can put in that program and those highlights and stuff don't give you that kind of structure and i think what i try to do this yeah it doesn't give you that overview in there but you don't have the overview that's that's it really and and i took the in my doctorate you know, I just used EndNote and Mendeley to kind of highlight things and just I would leave like little mm. kind of annotated notes on each PDF, which would be summarized when you click on the paper. But then I never had this overview table yeah. of yeah. everything. And actually, I, I missed out on a lot of stuff. And so I think it's just such a simple technique to create a table um, and just hit all those different titles. And it will make sure we'll have a version of the table uploaded on on how to phd.show in in the in the resources section so you can do check that out and, and and kind of see an example but it's effectively as you say it's just extracting data from all the papers so you can just have this overview and i think that's a really useful mm-hmm. method uh, to try and and then of course armed with this knowledge around the different types of gaps uh, you can then search within that table um, and kind of have that mindset as to which one which of those gaps you've uh, you could identify and pursue in your research so thank you so much once again for listening to how to phd as always if you know of someone who you think could benefit from our episode on finding your research gap then please do share this with them and if you enjoy listening to how to phd and you'd like to support us then you can leave a review on apple podcasts or audible or by visiting our website at howtophd.show and leaving a small donation through buy me a coffee as always thank you to the continued support from all of our listeners um you know i think this is now the first episode after our one year anniversary which is amazing so thank you to everyone who supported the show it really helps us so so much uh, do get in touch contact at howtophd.show twitter and instagram uh, at howtophdshow and if you're interested in signing up to a free half an hour one-to-one session with us to talk about anything you want then one-to-one at howtophd.show dot show is the email address for that and of course all the information for that can be found on our website how to phd dot show next week julia what are we going to be talking about next week um, we're going to give some more practical tips on and language tips for academic and scientific writing yes which probably is useful for anyone writing uh, their thesis or journal papers or annual review <laughs> documents exactly and, and to be honest this is something that i think 
um, I've only just started realizing how to improve kind of how, what, what kind of the right voice Learning and the right process. tense. It's a it's yeah. a it's a work in progress, but hopefully we can give you share some really practical tips to to perfect your academic writing. So that's everything for now. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>